Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. Be a man. Be tough. Be sweet. No one likes a smarty pants. Don't be such a sissy. Handle it like a man. You should go on a diet. Play the field. Be sexy, but not too sexy. Show him who's boss. You're a princess. You make the money. Let him take care of you. Pick yourself up. Know your place. Keep your mouth shut. The world tells us who we're supposed to be, but it keeps changing its mind. Throughout time, throughout cultures, we can't decide what makes a man a man and what makes a woman a woman. The message, the plan, it keeps changing. But what if there was something else? What if there was something better? Something that existed since the beginning. Something untouched by time. Something true and perfect. We have been in a series that we are talking about manhood and womanhood. It's called A Beautiful Design. And what we've said is, is that we believe if there's a creator, if God is who God says he is, if, if, if God is really who the Bible says that he is, then he is the creator of all things. And if he is the creator of all things, he created all of those things with a design. It matters not what the created has to say about that. Right? It only matters what the creator says. Right? And yet, talking about manhood, womanhood, gender identity, all these kind of things, boy, that's a... That's a deal these days, would you not agree? There's a, real, there's a real struggle there. And so we've been kind of fleshing out what does the Bible actually say. And we're doing it in Genesis. Um, let me tell you about a little conflict between Boudreaux and his wife. So uh, Boudreaux was really struggling. Boudreaux is a Cajun friend of mine. And Boudreaux was really struggling in his marriage. So he finally went down, walked down the street, found a pastor down at the church. Down there's a pastor I need to talk to you. Marie, she about driving me crazy, but... I got this sneaking suspicion she's trying to poison me. Pastor said, Boudreaux, how you, what are you talking about your wife trying to poison you? He said, I, how you know? I, I, don't, I don't really know. I just, I just got that itching. You know what I'm saying, Pastor? I, I know she's trying to poison me. What am I supposed to do? Pastor said, I tell you what, Boudreaux. Let me call Marie. Let me sit down with her. Let me ask her what's going on with y'all's marriage and if I can help it anyway. Let me see if I can get something out of her. So, you know, if I can figure out what's really going on. So Boudreaux waits a few days and calls the pastor back. Did you talk to Marie? He said, I did talk to Marie. I talked to Marie yesterday for three hours. Right? Better yet, let me say it this way. Marie talked to me for three hours. And, and Boudreaux said, that's great. So pastor, you've got to have something. So, so give me a little bit of advice. Pastor sat back in his chair and said, take the poison. Happy Father's Day. Was there a struggle between men and women? Yes, there's a struggle between men and women. Those who are married, can I get an amen on that one? Right? Let's just be real. Marriage is not easy. I have had other people tell me that they've had different people tell them that marriage was easy. And I laughed in their face. I'm like, I don't know what they took, but I want some. You know what I'm saying? Because it's not easy. Marriage is tough. This whole thing of what is a man? What is a woman? How do we do this? Not in a way that we, the created, want to do it, but in the way that the Creator created it to be done, right? So what we are doing is we're doing a series and we're saying to ourselves, we're saying to our sinful selves, we have to submit to what the Creator says, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what I want. And so I want to kind of lay that out for you by walking through we're going to go back through a big part of the story of Genesis today. and We're going to read a whole bunch of this. So I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. It says this. 
Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. So we're going back to the beginning. This is the Bible's rendition, right? This is the Bible's rendition of how creation happened. What did it look like? How did he design the man? How did he design the woman? Then the Lord God formed a man out of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. So he took a bunch of stuff, dirt, dust, whatever it was, and he put it together and he formed, and there was a lifeless man saying there, and then the word says, he breathed the breath of life. In the original language, the word is ruach. And ruach, we didn't really have an English word for it. So they have translated it two different ways. Either spirit or breath, right? Your spirit or breath. So, so he breathed into his nostrils and it was the spirit inside of the dust that made a man, right? And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man that he had formed. Genesis 2.15, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to what? To work it and take care of it. Right? To, to care for it and to, can, to work. So here's, here's a tough one, guys. We've got to start right off the bat. If you're a man, you're supposed to work. Listen to me. Work is not a punishment. This is before the fall, right? This is before sin happened, yes? Right? So what does it mean to be a man? What is manhood? It means you work. Now, we're not getting into this whole, like, you know, i got to make more money than my wife thing and all this domination inferiority complex, you know, got the small man complex, small man big truck, you know, I'm out. Come on. Every time my wife sees something like that, she's like, he's making up for something. That's my wife's words. But anyway, listen, listen, listen. So important that we understand that men were created to work. Like, guys, that's part of what's in our being to be something. Right? And anything, whether it be your own apathy or laziness inside of you, anything that takes you away from that scenario is taking you away from your manhood. Right? That you were created for that. And in this, we recognize you were created for what we talked about last week. And if you weren't here last week, please go back and look at last week's message. I think it would really help you. But we talked about a term called headship. Right? That, that men are supposed to have this role of headship. And we talk about leading and we men are supposed to lead but we said last week not always right i said it last week that if there's a pms breakdown going on my house my wife needs to lead that junk you know what i'm saying right that and that's just wisdom on my part but headship men don't always have to lead but they do always have headship they do always have that particular role to protect to serve and provide we talked about that last week I could go back, but I'm going to let you go back and watch it if you didn't. Let me keep going. Verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Now, if if you've read this story a bunch of times, I'm going to ask you to try to read it like you've never read it before. Because those of us who've been in church a long time, we read this stuff and we just kind of, yeah, yeah, we read over it, right? Listen to me. Let me ask you to ask right now the Holy Spirit to give you fresh eyes today. Right? Fresh heart today to hear his word. Think about that. You can eat from any tree in the garden <laughs> except one. Boy, isn't that, doesn't that touch something with you? Like if I told you you could do anything in the world except this, what would you think about? This. But you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. What does that mean, die? Well, he's going to physically die, yes. But that dying is a separation from the Creator. Right? He is no longer going to be connected to the Creator because you didn't do it His way. The Lord God said, check this, the Lord God said, it is not good. Sin has not happened yet. But something's not good. Something's not good. He's been like, this is good, create, this is good, create, this is good. And then he says, Mm, this is not good. It's not good for a man to be alone. And all the women said, Amen. Right? Not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Wouldn't you like to be there? 
That would be the coolest thing. Like, did he get tired? Like, did Adam, like, did he get to the point where he's, like, laying on his side? I don't know, rhinoceros, you know? Um, I, I just want to see the YouTube video. What does that look like? And him, like, naming all the creatures, right? So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. <laughs> That's a funny... Come, if you don't see humor in the Bible, something's then your humor's broken. Think about it. There's rhinoceroses and alligators and snakes, and he's looking for a helper for the man. That's a little weird, right? You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's just a strange verse. But anyway, we're going to ask God about that when we get there. Um, for Adam, there was no suitable helper found. So the Lord God caused the man to follow into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. This is so cool. In all the creatures he created, he says, no, 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 no. Do you know why one of the reasons that you never think about? It's because none of them had ruach. No, none of them had the breath of life breathed into them. Right? They were not on the same level as the man, and so he needed to take part of the man to create a suitable helper who was just like him. Right? He took it out of the man. The Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Wouldn't you like to see that moment? What? Right? Right? I mean, think about it. Alligator, rhinoceros. Oh, how you doing? You know what I'm saying? Right? Bounce. Continue down. Says The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she said, he, she shall be called woman. For she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to a wife. Now listen, the created cannot tell the creator how things work. And it says here that a man and a woman are united together and they become one flesh. That is the definition of marriage. That's, that's God's definition. That's, that's not Mike. Right? That's, that's, I'm, not, I'm not telling you. I'm telling you that the created us cannot tell the creator how this works. Right? This, this is how it works. This is how he created it to be. And they became one flesh. And Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now I want you to grasp how far away we are from that. Because how many of you would have shown up today for a North naked cornhole? Well, there's a couple of you weird ones here, but the rest of you wouldn't have showed up. Listen to me, the reason I say that is not to be silly or, or nasty or anything, but it's to say, recognize how far we are away, because what this represents is harmony. Represent, what this represents is peace. The biblical word is shalom. Right? There was such peace and harmony and perfection like we could never understand that nakedness was not an issue. There was no shame. There was no regret. Genesis 3 and 1. And now, the sentence, right? Dun, dun, dun. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, <laughs> really? Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the gut? Come on. Really? You ever felt some conviction about something? And somebody looked at you and went, really? That's such a big deal? What's the big deal? You ever felt that moment? You remember high school? Right? You remember college? You, you, you know, there's moments, and, and so you get this picture. So before we start throwing stones at Eve, let's put ourselves in that place. Right? Let's put ourselves in that place of like, what does it mean to be tempted? What does it mean to somebody question us and us have that moment of doubt? Like, I, I, th I think that's what he said, right? Th listen. The woman said to the serpent, you may eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the, from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. She should have stopped right there. She stopped right there, right? So far she's accurate. But you know when somebody causes doubt on you, you know how, like, you just get, like, diarrhea of the mouth? You know what I'm talking about? 
Like you just start saying stuff or if you get nervous, like you've ever been in a confrontational situation and you get nervous and you just kind of keep saying dumb things and it's coming out your mouth and you're going, why don't I shut up right now? That's really stupid. Why did I just say that? And I keep talking. Why am I still talking? I'm still talking. You know what I'm talking about? And she says something. Listen to me. She says something that's not true. And you must not touch it or you will die. But God didn't say that. This is the beginning of deception which is the devil's idea for your life and mine. To take the created and deceive it so that it will not do it of the design of the creator. That's his job. His job is to twist our minds and deceive. And when you look at our world around us, we can see deception out there. Today we didn't come here to point our fingers out there. Today we came here to point our fingers right here. Where am I deceived? Where, 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 where do I look at this a little off and I'm not in harmony with the way God designs manhood to be? And then ladies, don't, close, don't shut down on me because it's critical that you're a part. I'm going to talk more about that in a minute, but let me keep going. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband. We're going to come back to that in a second. Who was with her. And he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This is called the lust of autonomy. Autonomy means I want to be my own person. I don't want to have any rules. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. Right? The the lust of autonomy, when I get out of the house and I don't have any more rules anymore. Right? Come on, you remember being a teenager? If not, do you have a teenager? Right? When I, this, I, I get my own freedom and I get to do my own thing, right? Or, or, or we're in a certain job that we hate and, and we're like, when I get out from under this boss, right? I can just do my own thing. The lust of autonomy. I, I want to do it my way. It's Frank Sinatra. And it's in the heart of each one of us because of the sin that is inside of us. Sin has created a scenario now in us that we want to do it based on our ideas and our desires. I want to do what I want to do. I, I know what the Bible says, but I feel, fill in the blank. It's the, it's the lust of autonomy. It's, it's the desire to do it our own way. And this, listen, catch this. This explains all suffering and all struggle that we see in our world today. Every issue that we see, every struggle that's going on in your family, every bit of struggle within your own life, the secret sins and the struggle, it goes back to this, a lust of autonomy. I want to do what I want to do the way I want to do it. A creator that created us in this world to make it uh, in a certain way, and in a way that is really great for us. Listen to me. The creator made it great. That's why we're calling this series a beautiful design. It is a beautiful design. But something inside of you and me rages against it. Something inside of you and me says, well, I know that, but I want this. Well, I know my parents are like not real happy with this, but I want to do that. I know my boss, but he's stupid. Right? There's a lust for autonomy. But, But we lust after this on our own. And what we say is, God, I don't think you know what you're doing. That is not a good place to be, yeah? And yet we all find ourselves there. We don't say it just like that because we make it easier for us to say. We make it a little more palatable, right? We make it a little bit cleaner. Where it's like, you know, I'm sure God's okay with... he, He probably doesn't think this is such a big deal. But listen to me, it is critical that we diagnose this issue correctly. 
Because how many of you know that a bad diagnosis leads to a bad prescription? I went to visit somebody on Friday, called this guy. I was taking off just to chill out Thursday. I'm sorry, Thursday afternoon. I was going to take a mental health day and um, just chill, just disappear for the afternoon. Like, And God just put this guy on my heart. I called him, and he was in bad place, needed help. So I drove and helped this guy go to the hospital. I had to help him in the car. I had to drive the car for him, the whole nine yards. But he's like, oh, I forgot my pills. And he sent me back into the house for this box of pills. And I was like, you're, you're, you're taking all these pills. Yeah, every day. And when he went to the doctor, the discussion was they want to put him on a new pill, but it's going to change all the rest of these pills. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like, listen, we put, a lot of, we put a lot of emphasis in medicine, but they don't really know what they're doing completely. Come on, that's why they call it a practice. Should have clued you in, you know what I'm saying? Right? They're just trying to figure it out. And so what happens is we've got to understand that a bad diagnosis is going to lead to a bad prescription. So if we're going to be who God created us to be, if we're going to diagnose the issues in our lives, we need to diagnose it correctly or we're going to have the wrong prescription. Yes? That's the goal. That's, that's, that's kind of my goal as we go through this right now. Genesis 3, 8, and 19. Then, uh, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden. That's the oh poo poo moment. Right? You ever been there? You ever been in that place where you just got caught by your parents? Hand in the cookie jar moment? Whew. He was walking in the, in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man, where are you? Does God know where he is? Of course he knows where he is. He's God. Hello. But God is so cool. Because he's so patient with us. Right? I mean, they could have like hid behind the tree and been like looking and then turned around and God was right there. What are you doing, dummy? No, no, no. Hey, where are you? I'm going to meet you on terms. Why? Because God's goal has always been to have a relationship with you. It's never been to hurt you. It's never been to condemn you or put you down or make you feel less than. It's always been about relationship. Hey, hey, guys, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, because he's a manly man. Right? Put his hands on his hip, real strong and bold, and said, the woman you put me here with. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. <laughs> Catch the word in there. The woman you put me here with. Not only blames the woman, he blames God. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman says, let me be a strong Proverbs 31 woman. You see that serpent over there? He did it. The serpent, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed to you above all livestock. So he has this whole conversation with the serpent. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring of hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Then he turns back to the woman and he says, I will make your pain in childbearing very severe. We're going to talk about womanhood next month. We'll come back here. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband. We're going to come back to this. This is important. And he will rule over you. Then he turns to Adam and he says, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the fruit of the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. It starts with the ground. Interesting. The world gets cursed because of what happens. Why do you get thorns in your feet? Because of the curse. Why, why do animals gnash and eat each other? Because of the curse. Why is all suffering that we see and all that? Why do we have hurricanes blow through? Is because God is punishing people? That's poo-poo, y'all. It goes back to this. Nature has been fighting against itself and man since the curse 
right? We will continue to see storms and problems because there's not harmony, right? Crushed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and dust you will turn. Let's get a diagnosis. If we're going to have a prescription today, we need a diagnosis. Here's the diagnosis. It's in your notes there. Sin, first of all, brings spiritual alienation from God. Spiritual alienation from God. Now, God is the source of life. So if we are spiritually alienated from Him, we are dead. Right? When you eat of it, you will surely die. Right? Now, let me show you why Church of the Lakes does what Church of the Lakes does. Because next to that, we want to deal with that, right under that, the space under that, right in, no God. We want to deal with your spiritual alienation. We want to deal with that diagnosis with the prescription. You need to come to know who God is by having a relationship with Him. Right? Number two, diagnosis. Number two, emotional alienation within. Like within me and within you. Emotional alienation. In other words, I got emotional problems. That's an area most of us men, we don't like to talk about. But I would go so far as to say this. Emotional problems are becoming the biggest issue within the church and within our country. Why are we having so many shootings? It's emotional issues. Right? We call them mental health. Right? Issues. Same scenario. But we're not dealing with the emotional stuff that we've got, this alienation within. Men and women are alienating from themselves causing loss of identity and a loss of meaning as well as anxiety and emptiness, right? And our desire, the blank under that you can write in is, our desire is that you discover purpose. That you get to a place where you understand you have meaning. You have a purpose. Now, it's going to require you doing it the Creator's way. Are you hearing me? Like, like, like we can't just this morning say, you, you have purpose and here's some meaning and all this. And okay, this week you're just going to, no, 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 no. You're going to have to do it the creator's way, which means you're going to have to change some habits. You're going to you're gonna have to work at that a little bit. Number three, diagnosis. Social alienation, alienation from each other. This is why we are a culture that most of the time doesn't know who our neighbors are. I'm going to hide from people. I'm going to fear people. I'm going to do this eh, kind of thing, right? Social alienation. People are alienated from each other, causing war, crime, family breakdown, oppression, and injustice. That's where all those come from. That's where all that comes from. And so we want to help you, blank under it, find freedom. How do we find freedom? We find freedom as we have healthy relationships with each other. It's why we say circles are better than rows. It's why we're doing summer dinner circles, and I want you to get in a circle that's not your normal circle. Because you might find a relationship. Some of my best relationships, now that I look and I've gotten a little bit wiser over the years, some of my best relationships are my weirdest relationships. And I mean that. Like people that I would not normally hang out with. People that, like, when I look at, like, their life and my life, it's like, eh, but when I spend time with them and get to know them, they make me think differently. They make me get out of my normal thought patterns, right? And, And I start understanding something from a different angle. I find freedom through other people. The fourth of our diagnosis is physical alienation from nature. Physical alienation. So humanity is alienated from nature itself, right? Causing hunger, sickness. Aging, right? Anybody got any wrinkles? That you don't? Yeah. Even physical death, right? So that within itself, listen to me, is a general description of the effects of sin, right? How do we deal with that last physical? Make a difference. Get involved. Plug in and do something, right? And so this is our life steps. And if you haven't been through life steps, you need to start them next month. Know God, discover purpose, find freedom, make a difference. It is that simple and that profound all at the same time. Eric Mason says this in a book called 
manhood restored because I want to get back to, we're talking about manhood. Ladies, hang in here with me for a minute. If this is a general description of how man, uh, uh, all people have been distorted and that diagnosis, how has it specifically affected manhood, right? Eric Mason in his book called Manhood Restored says that manhood specifically was lost in the fall along with the rest of God's original design for creation. Because of this, instead of things that we talked about last week, we talked about responsibility, representation, relationship, service, protection, love. Now we talk about things like chauvinism, violence, passivity, insecurity, and addiction. Now this characterizes a generation after generation of men in a continually increasing way. And that is where our culture stops today. That's why every show, the guy's a buffoon. Right? Come on, every dad is the butt of the jokes. Right? Every dad is the bumbling dude that breaks everything. And, and that's where our culture stops. And we wonder why our young men are going, I don't know what it means to be a man. Because all they see in our media is a buffoon. They're told on one hand, be a man. And they get this message of, come on, be strong and be a man. And then they're told, but you have to eat kale also. Right? Be a man and be strong as long as you can poach an egg. I mean, and so what, is, what does that look like when, when we just are going to stop there? Men are terrible. Dads are clueless. Male bosses are selfish. Male church leaders are just out for themselves. Listen to me, whether this is true or not, I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied with staying at that place. I am not content with accepting that as a norm. I want to see biblical manhood restored as much as possible on this side of heaven. As much as completely possible. I'm tired of men not feeling manly and simply choosing to settle for a lesser version of God's story for their life. Men, I challenge you today. I did not have a godly dad. I saw my dad be abusive. I come from a boat broken home. But I refuse to allow my children to say that same statement. And I'm asking you today to push in a little bit. I'm asking you today because I want to talk to you about what happened in the fall. I want to talk to you about specific consequences, specific diagnoses that I think we can make about manhood's brokenness that you and I and men can decide to step up and actually do something about. Can we do that? Can we jump into that just a little bit, dive into that? Ladies, listen to me. This is a crucial moment for you. Because there is this really thin line between encouragement and nagging. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You have the power within you to destroy everything that God's about to try to do in your man. With an elbow or a look. With a, I told you in the car on the way home. Are you hearing me? Right? Last week I said to you, you need to encourage. 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 To which some of you might go, there ain't a whole lot to encourage. Let me ask you something. What kind of woman marries that man? Come on now. Let's look in the mirror and deal with ourselves before we start pointing the fingers at everybody else, right? I think the scripture says, take the speck, don't, don't take the speck out of your brother's eye, take, you take the log out of your own. So can we do that today? Can we make this safe? Ladies, wives, can you make this safe today? That although I'm about to talk about some very specific issues, and yes, inside of you, you're going to be going, yeah. Can I call you to step up and be the helpmate that you need to be and encourage him today and not use it as a weapon? You hear what I'm saying to you, right? Single men, listen to me. Although you may look at this and go, well, you just, it seems like you're just talking about marriages. No, I'm talking about habits. I'm talking about habits, and you're going to see the brokenness in your habits. And if you continue the habits now, you're going to carry them into a marriage one day, and you'll be another statistic picking up the kid every other week. Are you hearing me? And we've got to break 
that cycle. It's going to take some work, so let's get to work. Let's get a diagnosis so we can come up with the right prescription for us. Genesis 3 and 6. Let's go back to this. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband. What was Adam doing? What was he doing? Careful. Not honoring. Careful. Reality. He was standing right there. He was standing right there. Listen to me, 2 Corinthians 11 and 3. It says, But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow lead astray. That verse leads us to believe that Adam was not deceived. What is one of the broken parts? What is a diagnosis that we need to consider as men inside of us? I see it in me. I'm working on it. Number one is this. Selfish passivity. Selfish passivity. Men, if you're not writing this down, write it down. I'm going to go ahead and call you on it. If you're not writing it down, um, no, I'm not going to say that. I was going to be ugly. Just write it down because you're going to forget it. Selfish passivity. Listen to Genesis 3, 9 through 11. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you were in the garden and I was, I was what? I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So let's just call it what it is. When we're passive as men, it's because we're afraid. It's because we're scared. It's because there's a little boy inside of us that really doesn't know what to do. And so we freeze. And we're too scared to tell someone else that we're scared. So we sit there passively and do nothing. Right? Why do we push so hard? The women are dying right now, just so you know. They're like, I'm serious. Because they see this passivity inside of us. They see this rustle, but ladies, you've got to help us. Because we're scared. And if we didn't have a dad, we don't know what the crap we're doing. We're trying to figure it out, right? All I can tell you is I didn't have a dad. But I'm stumbling forward by God's grace. Amen? Thank God i got a wife behind me that's like, you the man, come on, you got this, and makes me want to be a better man. It doesn't nag me to the place where I'm like, passivity's great, I'm out. Right? Come on. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not? The man said, the woman you put here with me. Come on. Come on, man. That's just funny. I don't care who you are. Right? Well, you... You gave me her. That's that's his response. What is that? That's selfish passivity. Fear. Hiding from our wrongs. Hiding from healthy confrontation. What is it about our culture that's gotten to a place where we don't go walk up to somebody and go, you know what, you made me mad. Come on, guys. If somebody offends you, you got to man up. Sit down with them. This is, this, is, this is what it means. But we do this selfish passivity thing. We walk away. What does it look like? Let me give you some specific things that, that maybe, and this is where I left a little space for you to write down, because I want you to diagnose you, because not everybody's going to be the same. Not everybody's going to express this the exact same way. But here are some ways that we might express selfish passivity. One, refuse to worship. I really wrestle with the, like, raising my hands thing, or... This night, I'm, it's all good. Listen to me. The Creator has asked you to worship Him. You are the created. In that moment, I have to choose. Will I worship or will I have selfish passivity? No, it's about me. I want to be comfortable in this moment. Right? Another way that it plays out, engaging fantasy instead of reality. I got to tell you, yesterday we went out of that Andretti place I was telling you about, and we played some virtual reality games that were so awesome. The girls and I, the three girls, there was four headsets. We got in these headsets, and we're standing there in a headset, and you can see this playing field, and all of a sudden this, flo- this gun floats in front of me, and the guy says, can you see the gun? Yeah. Grab it. 
I went like that, and I can't see my hand, but I went boom, and I grabbed the gun, and I could see it. It was the coolest thing, right? And so all three of the girls, so there's four of us, we got, and we were fighting zombies. We were ready for the apocalypse. I'm just telling you, the zombie apocalypse. But uh, it was amazing. We had a blast. In the moment, there's this kid working there named Ricky. And uh, he, he had been messing with us all day, just kind of, we hit it off with him, and we're hanging with him. He helped us with the virtual reality. He waited until Ayana was in the middle of, and she's like, you know, if you can see the video, I'll show you the video if you want to see it. But, but she's like getting it like this, you know, and all this kind of stuff. He just walked over and just grabbed her calf. <laughs> right? But, but when I watched the video, I thought about, boy, isn't that a sign of many of us as men? We're hiding in virtual worlds like video games and movie and TV. If I just sit on the couch, then I don't have to deal with what's going on. And yet every once in a while something grabs our calf in reality and freaks us out. And in that moment, do we engage or do we go back to the, right? This is, come on, video games has become an issue within our culture. Nothing wrong with playing video games. Nothing wrong with watching a movie. Nothing wrong with doing, listen to me, listen, listen, listen. But I'm asking you to check your heart. Because it isn't just you trying to escape your reality. Are you taking care of the things that need to be taken care of first? I could go there all day, but let me keep moving. Another way that we see selfish passivity is silence. Silence. Right? When a wise word needs to be spoken, but I don't know what to say. When correction needs to happen, listen to me, you have headship. Here we go, this will be fun. This will be a lot of fun. You have headship, so there are times you are supposed to bring some healthy, positive correction to your wife. And the silence ensues, right? Right? Listen to me. That is a part of selfish passivity. That's a part of saying, my comfort, listen to me, here's the thought pattern behind that. My comfort is more important than her being better. That's selfish passivity. Right? Cover your own butt, right? It's kind of the thought of silence. Let me keep going. Another way that we do selfish passivity is excuse making. Well, I know I was supposed to be there, but this happened and that, right? We make excuses, right? That's selfish passivity. Maybe it's busyness. You're so busy that you don't have time to do this. Right? We, we fill our schedules with these kind of things. Laziness, maybe apathy. If you don't know what to do, uh, you have to get in a relationship with some other man who will push you forward. Listen to me. If you don't know what to do, man, you have to get into a relationship with other men who will push you forward. Let me go so far as to say this. Ladies, that is not your role. If you've been playing that role, you're harming your marriage and your husband's ability to be the man that God's called it to be. You're a helpmate, so helping, right? Adam and Eve lusted after passivity, the easy way, right? The easy way of doing it. Let me keep moving. Verse 16, to the woman he said, I will make your pain in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. You catch this, your desire will be for your husband to rule over your husband. We're going to come back to that next month, ladies. But then it goes on and it says, and he will rule over you. Number two, if we're going to diagnose what's going on in my heart so that I can be the man God's created me to be, number two is selfish aggression. There's two extremes that we go to as men. Either I'm going to get highly aggressive and agitated, or I'm out. Right? You know it, guys. You see it. Selfish aggression. Old Testament theologian E.J. Young said, all was now changed for the fall had taken place. Instead of the mild, tender love of Eden, the husband would now domineer over his rebellious wife. Over her, he would become a despot, a tyrant. Because of sin, headship is now inclined to ungodly aggression, to oppression, to domination. Instead of loving, serving, and protecting those around us, we men are now inclined to rule over them in a sinful way. 
diagnose your own heart. Let me give you some ways that maybe selfish aggression plays out. Abuse. And if you're being abusive, you need to come let me or another man know and let us help you walk through that scenario. Because that's outside of what God has called you to do and who he's called you to be. Another form of abuse, we don't think of it as abuse, but another form of abuse, and this is selfish aggression, is pornography. Pornography. When I selfishly am aggressive and I get fulfillment in sexual ways that are outside of the marriage bond, that's me being selfishly aggressive. How about this? Thoughtless criticism? Come on, man. You know. You've said it. I've done it. I don't know how many times I've done it. I've said something and I see that look on Jennifer's face and I'm like, you just blew it, dude. Right? Thoughtless criticism. Using, catch this one, using money or power to control other people. Using money or power to control other people. This is, this is selfish aggression. Sarcasm. We love sarcasm. It's funny, you get a bunch of guys together, and instead of getting emotionally intimate, which just saying that word, guys are like, what? Right? Instead of getting kind of like into it, we'll get sarcastic and just talk trash to each other. Right? You know, the, your truck, them tires, that's the smallest tires I've ever seen on a pickup truck. We'll just, we'll just talk trash and sarcasm. That's a form of passive aggression. I mean, selfish aggression. Abandoning your wife or your family, that's selfish aggression. Addiction, that is selfish aggression. Where is, gentlemen, the passive or aggression in your life? Brothers, where is it? Listen to me, where is it? And this is all of us. All men in here, hear me. Where is it? I want you to be honest with yourself. Where does it come out most often? How does it kind of work itself out in your relationships? Which of these things are you most inclined to do? I know it's going to be a mixture of all of them, maybe in some ways. But in your life right now, what has the Holy Spirit uncovered while we were talking just for the last few minutes? What is the diagnosis? What is it that we can put your fingers on and actually say so that we can deal with this selfish, sinful inclination that we have of our heart. And I bring you to this place, not just to leave you there. Because <laughs> you're like, I'm really glad I claimed Father's Day. I feel like crap now. Right? Listen, I don't want to leave you in that place. But to get a, di- get a good prescription, we need a diagnosis. Correct? Right? Listen, 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 listen. Here, here's the prescription. Here's what's awesome. This is what's so awesome about God. Because he told us to preach the good news. Do you know what the good news in this moment is, gentlemen? Is not, I'm not going to look at you and say, fix it. Neither should you, ladies. It's not a fix-it thing. You hear me? As a matter of fact, you don't have the power to fix it. All you have the power to do is diagnose it and then surrender it to God. And then take it back to the Creator and go, this is not who you created me to be. And as your created, I acknowledge my problems in this area. I acknowledge my faults in this area. And I'm bringing it back to you and surrendering it to you. There is an amazing verse in Romans that says this. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by fixing it. No, that's not what it says. Listen to me. It says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why do you have to renew your mind? Because i got to start thinking like God wants me to think, the Creator, and stop thinking like I want to think the Created. The good news, gentlemen, is this. Is this is not a message that we just go, okay, well, great. Another one of those men suck messages. That's not what it is. Listen. What it is is this is a diagnosis, and now I'm giving you the greatest news I could give you all day long. You don't have to fix it. You just have to surrender it to God. You just have to submit your life under the Creator's version and His beautiful design. And if you will do that and work at it, if you will get around some other men who will hold you accountable, some other men who will look at you and go, come on, you can do this. You got this. Then God will begin to do a work in transforming your heart to be the man that He has created you to be. And i got to tell you, there is no greater, 
There's no greater fire in my gut than when I look around to think about what it would look like to see more godly men running their homes, raising their kids, and doing that. But it's not something you can do or that I'm telling you to fix today. I'm just going to ask you to surrender. The most manly act that you can make today is a white flag. Hey God, I'm going to stop doing it my way. I'm going to stop choosing my desires. I'm going to stop giving into this sinful nature that causes me to either be selfishly passive and silent, sit and watch TV and not engage, or that causes me to get selfishly aggressive and I'm ugly with my words and I blow my top, blow my... No, 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 no. Today, God, I'm going to surrender those things to you, acknowledging those, diagnosing what it is. But my prescription today is to surrender to Jesus Christ and to surrender my heart to him. And so I challenge you today. Gentlemen, it's just a surrender. Let me pray for you and ask God to help you do that today. Father, this is tough, God. As a, as a guy, I, I see this stuff in my life. I, I see when I sit back and flip the channel and just kind of zone everybody out because I don't want to deal with stuff. And I see the other times when I just blow my top, say things I shouldn't say, or I'm sarcastic. So, Father God, I acknowledge these things inside of me today. I accept your diagnosis as the creator of my issues. And today, all I have is just to surrender it back to you and give it back to you. And so today, I I give it all back to you. God, would you help me? to be the man you've created me to be? Would you grow me up, God? Would you help me to deal with this stuff inside of me and the the pain and the struggle? Father, I want to pray for our ladies today that they would become the helpmates that you intended them to be. That we would stop battling one another. But God, they would become the greatest encouragers on the planet. They would look for anything to encourage whatsoever before they would say something to nag. So would you help, God? Would you, would you help them as they, as they struggle in that area so that we can do this thing well, this beautiful design that you have of manhood and womanhood and the way you called us to be. So, Father, we surrender all those things to you today. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.